Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, many of you probably followed this story back at, at the very end of the spring, but back on May the 8th, around 10.30 a.m. in the morning, on the island of Maui in Hawaii, a young lady, 35 years old, named Amanda Eller, headed out for what she thought was going to be, a, for her, a very experienced hiker and runner, a short hike of about three miles into the Mawakau Forest Reserve, which was about 2,000 acres. And she parked her SUV. She actually left her wallet, left her water bottle uh, in the vehicle, as well as her cell phone, took the keys, hid them under a tire, and headed off into the forest. Everything was going fine. She actually finally stopped for a while and, and did some yoga. She, she was a physical therapist, a yoga instructor. I don't know if I said that or not, but she actually stopped and did a little yoga, um, did some meditation, and took a nap for a little while. And then when she woke up, she started to head back to her SUV. So she thought. The SUV was not where she thought it was. She continued moving along, surely thinking that it was just right around the next tree or whatever the case might have been. But all of a sudden, as she looked around, I mean, the terrain all began to look exactly the same. Somehow, she managed to, to slip down a 20-foot cliff and fracture her leg. But she continued to move on a little bit slower at that point. She kept on moving had to spend her first night there in the forest, would cover herself up with ferns and leaves for shelter. The next day, she was trying to wash off her shoes in a stream, and a, and a sudden flash flood came and washed her shoes away. But she continued moving on. Search parties were launched, some on foot into the forest, some by helicopter overhead. She, she was able to exist by eating wild strawberry guava, some other kinds of plants, some insects. She said she, she spent her, her first week trying to make herself visible to the helicopters as she could hear them flying overhead, but they, they failed to see her. Well, finally, finally, on May the 24th, after 17 days, Amanda was spotted by a helicopter team. Now, by that time, she could barely walk. They were able to land not too far away and get to her. When they found her, again, she could barely walk. They were able to, to get her out, transport her by helicopter to a hospital where they treated her for her fractured leg. She had also had, a, had torn a meniscus and a knee. She was severely malnourished. She had severe sunburn, but she survived. She was okay. Here's a, a picture from the helicopter of the area where she was found. Take a look at this. Now, you can see why it was so difficult for them to be able to spot her, can't you? I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to be in those kind of circumstances? I mean, think about that. What would you be feeling? I mean, just in the first couple of hours when you realize your vehicle is not where you thought it was, when it dawns on you that you are completely lost, 
Not just what you feel like in the first few hours, but what you feel like in those first couple of days. Fear, panic, anxiety. As the helicopters were were initially flying over but failing to see her, Amanda described her feelings like this. She said, as the helicopters were passing over and not seeing me, I'm feeling invisible, she said. You lose hope. Your hope meter starts to decline. You lose hope, she said. Hopelessness. Let me ask you, can you remember a time in your life when you have felt hopeless? Now, for some of you, it may take a couple of moments for that time to come up. Some of you may not have ever experienced that, and I'm I'm glad for you if that's the case. Some of you may be experiencing that right now. It is a lousy, lousy feeling, isn't it? Because everybody, everybody needs hope. Psychologist Dr. Shane Lopez, considered to be the world's leading researcher on hope, says that hope is much more than an emotion, that it's an essential tool for life. Students that that are hopeful uh, have higher GPAs. They're much more likely to graduate. Athletes that are hopeful perform better on the field. They recover from injuries more quickly. They're able to mentally adjust to change. Elderly people who are hopeful live longer. Hope is essential for all of us. And hope is a challenge a little more these days than what it was, it seems to me. It seems like it's a little more difficult to be hopeful in our society as it is. Well, because hope is so essential to life, we as a church have chosen to include that in our mission statement. Feel free to say it with me. Southern Hills Baptist Church is a safe place of healing, grace, and hope for all generations. Think with me for a moment back again to what Amanda Eller the rescued hiker says she was feeling as she listened to those helicopters flying nearby overhead, but as they failed to see her. So again, she said, as the helicopters were passing over and not seeing me, she said, I'm invisible. Invisible. That's about as stark a way as you can describe what it feels like to be totally and completely alone. She said, I'm feeling invisible. I am losing hope. She's feeling totally alone, and in her aloneness, she's losing hope. Aloneness leads to hopelessness. Therefore, if you remove a person's loneliness, what happens? You restore their hope. Our emphasis these past few weeks has been all about life is better together when you're connected in a group, when you're a part of a a little community where real people are being real, part of a little community where people know that they are, are loved and accepted, and because of that, they feel safe to make known who they are. In a little community where you become conduits of God's healing grace and love flowing in and through your lives to one another. And as that happens, aloneness is removed and hope, hope is restored. 
one of our prayers for everyone who walks in these doors each and every week is that when you leave this place, that you might leave feeling less alone and more hopeful, more hopeful. With the advent of social media in our day and smartphones, there's been a dramatic and, and very rapidly and very rapid and alarming shift in our culture toward aloneness. And we're living in a time where you can have thousands of friends, right, on Facebook, thousands of followers on Instagram, and yet still feel very much alone. You can have hundreds of views and yet feel very much unseen. Your inbox can be full of messages. And yet you can find yourself still feeling very much unheard. We interact with our screens hours a day while being socially isolated. And because of that, there, there is an epidemic of loneliness in our society, which has resulted in, in anxiety, depression, and other social issues that leave people feeling hopeless hopeless. Now, this is a problem that goes back a long way. In fact, let me ask you this question, kind of a Bible trivia, actually a Bible not so trivia question, okay? What was the first crisis that took place after creation? What was the very first crisis after creation? Now, for those that are somewhat familiar with God's Word, most people are going to say, well, well, that that was what we refer to as the fall of man, that is the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, let's take a look at that. Look at, with me at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He, that is the serpent, said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the serpent was so devious, wasn't he? He was trying to twist God's truth and plant a seed of doubt in Eve's mind here. But she does initially a pretty good job of correcting him, of correcting the serpent. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. But now she's going to add her own little enhanced color commentary <laughs> to what God said, Right? You can, almost, you can hear where she's starting to focus. God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and she adds, you must not touch it or you will die. Is that what God said? No. God said you can't eat from the fruit. He didn't say you can't touch it. Well, at this point, the serpent just blatantly contradicts God's word in verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Then he insidiously, insidiously plants a a huge question in Eve's mind of God's motives. Listen to what he says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what happens to Eve? She becomes completely convinced that God is somehow holding out on them. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. <laughs> He's just been standing there like a bump on the log this whole time, <laughs> right? And he ate it. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And what happened as a result of that sin? They became separated from God. The result, they went from spiritual intimacy with God to spiritual aloneness. Now, spiritual aloneness is something that only God can resolve. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the attempt of mankind throughout history to try to resolve spiritual aloneness and separation on their own by coming up with all kinds of religious hoops that people can jump through, things that people can do on their own in order to try to connect with God. Again, we call that religion. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear in Ephesians 2 and so many other places that salvation is not the result of anything that we can do. It's the result of what Jesus Christ has already done, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Again, it's not because of anything that we could possibly do to earn it or deserve it. It's by grace. It's a result of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Now, Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. See, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead in order not to bring us a religion, but to bring us the gift of a relationship, a personal relationship, to remove spiritual aloneness. Now, it's interesting, most people who are spiritually alone feel that, but yet they struggle to understand exactly what it is that they're feeling and why they're feeling that way, much less have any idea how to resolve it. That's why most people that are without Christ need to be led to Christ. The expression, he led his friend to Christ. That's a tremendous blessing, tremendous privilege that we have as God's people is to partner with him in, in his kingdom work to do that. We get to help lead people to Christ because only, again, only Jesus Christ can remove spiritual aloneness. Only Christ. Well, let's go back to that question I asked you just a moment ago. What was the first crisis after creation? It wasn't Adam and Eve sitting in the garden. Actually, you have to go back to chapter 2 for the answer to that question. In fact, let's actually go back to chapter 1 to get the whole picture. Let's start out a little farther back. Chapter 1, the story of creation. The first thing that God created was what? Let there be light. And there was light. God created light. In verse 4 of Genesis 1 says, God saw that the light was good. Then after God created the sky and the land and the sea, we read in verse 10, God saw that it was good. After God created the produce of the land, verse 12 says, God saw that it was good. Next in verse 18, God created the sun, moon, and stars. It says, God saw that it was good. In verse 21, after he created the creatures of the sky and the sea, God saw that it was good. Verse 25, after he created the creatures of the land, it says God saw that it was good. 
Finally, in verse 31, we read, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But then all of a sudden, when you come to chapter 2, God says for the very first time that something is not good. It is not good. Chapter 2, in, in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. He's declaring that something is missing from creation. This is a serious problem. This is a major crisis. What could possibly be missing? I mean, think about it for a moment. Adam was living in an absolutely perfect environment. I mean, the Garden of Eden was absolutely perfect. He had everything he could possibly want from a material standpoint. And he was given ultimate status. I mean, God created the earth, but he assigned Adam. He made Adam to be the CEO of the entire earth to rule over the world. And to top it all off, Adam also had a perfect, intimate relationship of uninterrupted fellowship with his God, with his creator God. Yet in spite of all that, God said that something is not good. And what was that? The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That was the first crisis after creation. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, let's be clear about this, all right? Let's, let's make sure we're understanding this. God is a sovereign God, right? He could have created Adam any way he chose, any way that he desired, but he chose to make Adam in such a way that Adam needed not only an intimate relationship with God, but he needed also a relationship with people. Now, this may sound kind of weird for a pastor to say this, but don't ever tell anybody. Don't ever say to somebody, hey, friend, you know, all you really need is God. All you really need is God. It's not true. Obviously, it's not biblical. Again, that is just not how God has made us. Again, Adam was in perfect harmony, perfect intimacy with God, but, but God didn't walk up to Adam and say, hey, 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 Adam, don't sweat this alone. Hey, you got me, buddy. <laughs> you got me. You got me. I'm God. No. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. God has intentionally wired us as human beings to need both him and one another. To tell people that all they need is God is essentially a message of condemnation. For example, you heard Ron French share his story earlier. After his wife Lucinda died, let me ask, what if his life group had just left him in his aloneness? Instead of coming alongside him, as he described, taking him to dinner, having him into their homes, giving phone calls of encouragement, taking him to play golf, what if all they did was send to him an emissary from the life group to say to him, Ron, you know what? All you really need right now is God. 
when you find yourself really hurting inside and feeling all alone, just, just pray more. Just pray more. All you need is God. You hear what I'm saying? That kind of thinking does not make life better together. It certainly does not make for a safe place of healing grace, and it absolutely does not remove aloneness and restore hope in a person's heart. You know, I'm afraid that many times when we tell somebody that, that all they need is God, what we're really saying is, you know, hey, I don't have the time or the want to to help remove your aloneness. So, so just pray more. God will handle it. God can take care of it. People need God, and we need one another. That's how he made us to be. That's how Jesus commanded us to be. We, we talk about the great commandment. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What is Jesus telling us here? He's saying love for God is not complete unless we love others as well. So how did God address Adam's aloneness? He created Eve, right? He created Eve. You remember how that happened, right? God described to Adam what he was about to do. Adam got really excited about it. And God said, but, but Adam, listen, you need to know now. This is, she's not going to come cheap. This is going to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> Adam thought about it for a second. He said, yikes, God. So what could I get for a rib? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you knew that was coming, right? <laughs> Listen, intimate need meeting marriage is certainly a part of God's plan for us today. But marriage is not the cure all for aloneness, it is not. For one thing, marriage is just not for everyone. So for those who don't marry, is God's intention just to leave them, along, leave them in their lifelong aloneness? Absolutely not. Also, remember, sin came after the gift of marriage was given, right? <laughs> in other words, sadly, many marriages and many families, because of sin and dysfunction, failed to meet that need for relational intimacy. It's possible to be married, it's possible to live in a family, and yet still, still feel very much alone, right? I mean, Julie and I can, can give testimony to the fact that there have been times in our marriage relationship where one or the other of us, sometimes both of us at the same time, felt very much alone in spite of being married. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, you've been married for a long time, and you've never experienced that, let me just simply say, Show off. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. And God said it is not good to be alone. So now please, please do not miss this. That means that one of the huge purposes for which God created the church, for which God created his church family, is to take away aloneness. 
It's to remove people's aloneness is so that no one should ever have to be alone. Romans 12, 5, and since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all of the others. Only our Lord Jesus Christ can remove spiritual aloneness. But all of us have the opportunity to help remove people's relational aloneness. And when, when that problem of aloneness is removed, friends, that is when hope, hope is restored. You want to see a good picture of what it looks like when hope is restored? Look, look at this picture. That picture was taken right after Amanda Eller was found in the forest. That's her helicopter crew. This is before they had taken her out. That's the look of hope restored. Friends, if you're not already in a group, please get in a group. You can't partner with God to help remove people's aloneness by sitting in a, just sitting in a pew from time to time looking at the backs of people's heads. Please get in a group. If you're already in one, but you haven't been going lately, start going again. And when you go back, go back with a purpose, with a sense of purpose. A sense of purpose to make sure that everyone feels welcomed and loved and accepted so that they know it's a safe place where they can make themselves known. Go back with the purpose of making sure that, 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 you're, you, that where you're determined to be one of God's conduits of his healing grace as it flows in and through your life and through the lives of one another right back to you. Where you get to partner with God in removing people's aloneness and thereby restoring hope. Hope. Man, what a purpose. Life is better together in a safe place of healing grace and hope for all generations. Let's pray together.